okay You know it's simple, mama, down your toes, down your toes Can't meet me, man, I'm in, I'm in the zone, in the zone Michael Phelps with them flows, they're like waves and you know And I get them out fast, I'm Usain on them tracks Like Jordan to Peyton, don't talk all that trash Ain't on my level, relax, bro, just pull up them stats Let my game show the facts Know that you can never pass it, so you got another racket like Serena. No, I'm classic. It's my planet, it's my planet. On my space, you won't be jamming. Don't put me in the box. Keep on winning, I don't stop. Think you got an easy lane? I'm the Kimbe with the block. That's all you got. Yeah. I'm on another level. Yeah. I'm on another level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, on another level. Yeah. Like ASAP Ferg, I'm on a new level. Okay. Welcome, 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 guys, back into our episode, episode two, season five of our great show, the Sebi Podcast Radio Show. Listen to you worldwide in 18 different platforms, streaming all across the country and all across the world. As usual, myself, your host, my ride partner, Michael Gray from the tri-state area. Been here for about five 365s, Mike, and we're back at it again here on episode two on what is, should be another great season. 100%, man. 100%. We keep going. We keep pushing. Keep pushing out that great content, man. It's all in the love and the passion of the game, man. It's all love. Yeah. No doubt about that. How you feeling, Big Bob? All, all good, man. All good vibes on my side, man. Out here in the DMV area, out here back home. I'm feeling real good. Real good. How about you? There's nothing like it being back in the DMV. All sunshine here in the Sunshine State area. I had a great weekend, my man. But pleasure to be back. Pleasure to be good to be and do what we do best. A lot of stuff, Mike, that's been happening in the sports world. We've got the Las Vegas Aces capturing their first championship in franchise history. In fact, Las Vegas' first ever sports franchise to win a title for the city of Las Vegas. I know they're going, we're going to talk about that later as well, Mike. Um, Also go ahead and chime in on some NBA news. But of course, you know, we got to start off where we're going to start off. It's got to be the NFL where we start off week two action. There's a lot of things that happened, Mike, from Lamar Jackson putting up a show, making David DaGosta in that franchise. The price keep going up, Mike. (laughs) The price continue to go up. They should have probably got a, probably came in agreement with Lamar when they had to. But Lamar Jackson putting another show reminding us why he was the only and sole unanimous MVP in NFL history. He's looking like that, Mike. But the other guy on the other side, Tua Tagovailoa, didn't didn't disappoint as well, Mike. You're talking about a guy that we know in Tua Tagovailoa, six touchdowns, 469 yards. Nobody see this coming. And that might have been Tua's best performance since being drafted in the pros. So we'll go ahead and talk about that first here. Your thoughts about what we saw in mayhem in Baltimore? Oh, it was it was a crazy game. It was it was it was arguably it was probably so far the best game of the season. Uh, just a, a back and forth roller coaster ride. It was one of those type games. You got the Ravens coming out assertive, looking like the Ravens we've seen over time. Just. Uh, defensively dominating, getting creating takeaways, uh, getting physical with with the, with the opposing team, and then you saw that that fluid offense and the system that they run uh, with running the ball, 
along with Lamar Jackson, getting it out to these receivers and um and we're really really getting them in space and making plays. And and one one of the biggest takeaways I, I have for Baltimore is that um the, the 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 biggest key the biggest key that they made offensively this year was that they got a lot of offensive weapons that can that can make plays in space and and then that can that, that like real speed guys and that can really maneuver after the catch. Um, you know, L- 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 Lamar Jackson likes to go down the field for the most part, but but when he does throw the ball in those intermediate routes, it's good to have those guys like a Bateman, you know, to, to be able to break away and break break away like he did and make big plays. Um, you know, and after the catch, so. Baltimore getting those guys in, in in space and those speed guys for Lamar Jackson on the outside. I thought that was a big key for them. But then you saw Miami come out in that second half, especially in that fourth quarter, and they were just avalanche. It was big play after big play, and you saw how dynamic this offense is. Not only with with uh with what Tua has with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, but that kid Jaseki, that tight end over the middle. Man, his impact and what he does for them, he makes this offense that much more dynamic and that much more fluid. And you saw their potential against a top team. Uh, it, it was it was a juggernaut and it was tough. But man, you 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 saw the willpower of this Miami team and how strong they really are, and um, just how strong of a matchup that was to get that type of matchup in week two. Man, we we were just blessed as NFL fans to be able to talk about it. That was a special matchup. Ab- absolutely, Mike. You look at what. Baltimore does. Now, I, I love what Baltimore has done. I still think they need to go get a number one receiver uh, for 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 Lamar Jackson. Bateman is is exciting. He's got the speed, uh, the breakaway speed. Reminds me of a little bit of a Ted Ginn. But yeah. even Ted Ginn wasn't a real number one receiver. Right. You see what Tua, what what you see what Tyreek Hill has done for the life of Tua Tagovailoa. You see what Stephon Diggs has done for Josh Allen. Yep. All these great quarterbacks has got that guy. And I still think they need to get to where that guy. But man, uh, I, I love what Baltimore is doing. They got Bateman. They're, they're, um, they've got Mark Andrews. We know Mark Andrews is, is Lamar's favorite target. Uh, Devin du- Duvernay. I love what, what he does on the pass catching game, but also in special teams. But the story of Baltimore, Mike, regardless, it, it, and, and it's crazy, Mike, because what Lamar was doing, that was the headlines. Through three quarters, yeah. that was the headlines. Yeah. Monday morning, we're going to be talking about Lamar Jackson. Right now, him and 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 Josh Allen maybe co MVPs. That's what we're supposed to talk about. Yeah. And then the fourth quarter came, and all that happened was Tua Tagovailoa went through for two hundred yards and four touchdowns. Mike, this is historic. I don't think how historic you know that this is. Teams that have gone and been up twenty one points going into the fourth quarter. We're 729-0. Think about that. (laughs) Teams that has had a 21-point lead in NFL history and all the games is being played, 729-0. And then Tua's Dolphins did that. Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill. First of all, Mike, we got to understand, what was the Baltimore secondary thinking? Like, how do you lose track too many, of too, number 10? Too, too many mental lapses. Way too so many. How do you lose? The, the thing is. The thing is, is you're already up 21, Mike. And 
you you don't play coverage. They they continue to be greedy. They continue to play the coverage that they were doing. They're trying to go after and get go after uh, Tua Tagovailoa with the blitz, okay. not realizing that the Dolphins have the two fastest guys in America, especially in the league, and Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill. And he just burned them and burned them and burned them. And and Mike McDaniel's their new head coach. Mike said, "This is the first time that Tua Tua, Tua Tagovailoa has said." I feel happy playing football again. Mike McDaniels is making football feel fun for mm-hmm. Tua Vailoa. And this yeah. feels like all Mike, this feels like Alabama all yeah. over. When when he had Judy, when he had Waddle, and we had Devontae Smith. This is what this feels like. This feels like Alabama again with Waddle, with Gesicki, and with Tyreek Hill. And if you have a coach that in Mike McDaniels who believes in his players and tells him Tua. I want you to get back to feeling like football is fun again. If this is anything like Alabama, the league is in trouble because those two guys that they have in the outside, Mike, one-on-one, you can't guard them. They do demand trouble, double coverage, but you can't double both because one is going to get open, and that's what happened. When when Tyreek got off and they started doubling, that's when Waddle got off. He had 183 and two touchdowns himself. So you're in a bind because right now, Tua is feeling like this is Alabama, and that's trouble, Mike. Yeah. Yeah, he has that same comfortable energy that he had when, when he had all those uh, star receivers and, and all those weapons out there in Alabama. So, no, nah, no, nah, I, I love what they've built around him and the culture that's built along with the, the personnel. Tua has a lot to work with, and he's showing out, and he's performing at a high level. We're, we're slowly but surely for, forgetting the conversations that were had in the summer times and then the off season about you know we 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 have all these weapons, but who is Miami going to have a quarterback? Who is going to have them to throw, is going to throw them the ball? We all those conversations that were had in the off season about who's this quarterback. All of a sudden, after two weeks, we don't have that. It's shut down. It's shut down. Yeah. You don't hear any of it. And that's yeah. because Tua has, has shined in this moment and had that huge comeback and performed at such a high level uh, offensively that you, you just you just you, you can't ignore it. So hats off to Tua, hats off to Miami. And this is a real threat to not only to um, the Buffalo Bills in the division, but this is a real threat in this AFC and, uh, and, and, and the NFL as well. So uh, we'll, we'll see how Miami plays out the rest of the year. But from what from where I'm sitting, this is a very cohesive unit and a, and a very deep football team. Yeah, and that was going to be my next question, Mike. Is the Dolphins for real, right? Tua Tagovailoa threw for six touchdowns. Only Dan Marino and Bob Greasy has ever done that in in Dolphins history. But it, it, are are the, are we are we quick or is it too early to say are these guys pretenders? Are they contenders? That was my next question for you, Mike. I don't believe they're pretenders because of what they do on the other side of the ball. And we're talking about two of Tagovailoa and the offensive prowess, and rightfully so after what they just did against Baltimore. But that defense is something to behold as well. They're they're a very special unit, and I understand that they gave up 38 points to Baltimore, but but that's that that's not something to. That 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 that's not like something to snuff at because Baltimore, Baltimore's offensive system and the way that they play and and, and their offensive line and how they get after it is is very tough to stop. And they did make some key stops in the fourth quarter when it was to be had. So, uh, this Dolphins this Dolphins team defensively, um, on on each level had they have star power on each level secondary of uh, linebackers and defensive linemen. Did they have they have star power on all three levels? And I believe that. Because of that, throughout throughout a seventeen game season, they're gonna make enough plays to be able to 
really make some noise in 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 the AFC. And uh, I, I do believe that they're contenders. Not, I don't believe they're Super Bowl contenders just yet. Uh, I do believe that their 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 peak this year would be somewhere around the divisional round. Uh, however, you never know. You just you just never know, depending on the matchups and who they get. But this team right here is is, is good enough easily to make the playoffs. Uh, how far they go once they get in really just depends on the matchups. But they're but they're but they're right there in that conversation. You really got to start raising some eyebrows for that Baltimore secondary and that defense. You you think you think uh, you know Ed Reed that mystique that the Baltimore Ravens have built throughout those years. You think Ed Reed, Ray Lewis, and Terrell Suggs and those boys were were screaming at the TV when they saw that? I mean, yeah. you got thinking, Mike. <laughs> I don't think those guys want to see him come to a practice. I think they'll let him have it. That that's not the Baltimore uh, a rich franchise that we know when it comes to defense. The beauty about what just happened in week two with the Baltimore Ravens secondary is that it is week two, and we do have the beauty of time. And what I mean by that is we have an opportunity coming up, especially within the next few weeks, to see if that if what we saw in the fourth quarter is an anomaly and it was just a bad quarter and a mental lapse from them as a unit, or if that was a, a, a side of things to potentially come uh, as far as the Ravens secondary and has have they put out a blueprint on film on how to dissect their secondary. This is a huge time for the Baltimore Ravens defense to hone in, lock in, and really make sure that they uh that they put put out some better film because if 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 if, if true beholds, they could have just put out a blueprint for their secondary from the from what they what, what teams have saw in that fourth quarter. However, they have the opportunity to right the wrong and show that, you know, the, the, that 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 was just on us and, and we're much better than that because they showed it through three quarters. No doubt, no doubt about that. Spoiler alert, week three headlines, the Miami Dolphins host Ooh. Buffalo Bills. And speaking Ooh. of Buffalo, Mike, are this this team right here. Ooh. This team right here, my boy. Have they, did they, I thought they put up a notice in week one. You should have seen what they did last night on Monday Night Football on prime. That's back-to-back primetime nationally televised TV that these Bills – have put America on notice. And they didn't just do it on a Sunday. They'd hit it on two back-to-back nationally televised uh, 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 weekends, putting everybody on notice. Josh Allen, four touchdowns, three seventeens the year. He didn't have Gabe Davis. I was pretty sad about that on fantasy. But Stefan Diggs picked up the slack, 148, three touchdowns, Mike. This Buffalo Bills and, and – and, thing is it's Mike they're explosive and they beat you intermediate they could beat you deep and you know they're going to beat you deep because they're an explosive offense but if they're going to get defense like that with from Matt Milano from Chase Edmonds from the newcomer and Von Miller and Greg Russo if they're going to be able to sack the quarterback like that Kair Elam pick up the slack um uh, on the back end and play that cornerback one back there and being that great corner that they picked up from Florida. And then if they're going to be able to sack the quarterback like that, oh, my, Mike, this <laughs> the league might be in trouble. No, it's, it's no might. You can go ahead and take the might out of it. The league is in trouble. And the, the Buffalo Bills 
are right there right, right there in the mix with the top teams in the league already. And you see it off rip off the first two weeks. This you you can read between the lines on certain teams. This team is loaded and stacked on all levels. You're talking about on the field and in the coaching staff. I mean, you, I'm glad you brought up the pressure they get on the quarterback because they have a defensive line rotation that's probably the deepest in football. When you think about uh, the, the amount of rushes that these guys get consistently, even from the top guys to the second rotation guys, they, they really they really have fresh bodies on that defensive line rushing the quarterback all the time. And the impact that Von Miller has had on these guys is special. And I'm going to give you another player on that defensive line to me that needs to get more praise and more conversation and talk about one of the top interior defensive tackles in football, and that's Jordan Phillips. Mm -hmm. He's been a very consistent beast. Absolutely. Add all of it to my years. But to me, this is the year that you're gonna that you're gonna hear more about Jordan Phillips and the impact that he has on the interior because he's just been making hay. I mean, you're talking about a sack and a half, multiple tackles for losses in game one against the Rams, but then he comes back and he's getting, you know, he, he's he's constantly in the backfield. This is a guy who's who's setting himself up to to really uh to to really make some hay and um and have a, a hell of a season. I expect him to really dominate and really make a, 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 a even bigger name for himself. But this Buffalo Bills team for, as a unit defensively is just so sound. They, they, they're so disciplined and sharp. Leslie Frazier really has these guys on point. And offensively, I don't really, really need to speak much about what they do offensively because it's just that much of a juggernaut. They, they're, 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 they're too loaded. They have too many, too many guys. You can talk about Gabe Davis, who was out last week. Um, Stephon Diggs picked up the slack. But then – I. I, to me, one of the most underrated pieces that they picked up this year at the wide receiver position was Jamison Crowder. Jamison Crowder, that's Mike. such a huge pickup. To huge me. pickup on in the, the slot. slot. It's yeah. ridiculous, man. And, yeah. and and they have a sound offensive line. Even if when Gabe Davis is out, it doesn't matter because they're that stacked, that loaded. Uh, um, and they, they, it's, it's just a playmaking offense, and they're that explosive. And that, to me, is the transition that they've made from years past is that they've learned how to win games. Yes, we know you can be explosive. Yes, we know you're a big play offense. But when when the defense keys in on that and the defense hones in, can you find other ways to win? And that's what we're seeing from this Buffalo Bills team. That's what we've been starting to see. We started to see from them last year. To me, I I believe they've evolved and they're going to take that next step and really show teams that they can get it done. I mean, shoot, they, they showed it in a way on Monday Night Football in the first drive of the game when they converted all those third downs in order to get the touchdown on the opening drive. This team is finding different ways to win outside of the big play and becoming as well-rounded as they are. That, that to me, is going to take them to the next level, and that's why I have them as legitimate Super Bowl contenders. Absolutely, absolutely, Mike. This team is, is a juggernaut. They're atomic bombs, Mike. You looked at the game. I was watching the game last night. It was 10-7. With a blink of an eye, you saw 34-7. And you look like, who who put up, huh? They, they put up 24. They put up 40, not 41-7. I mean, this team, they come at you in waves. Like, it's it's an avalanche, Mike. You look up, and then you're down 14-21 zip. The game is over. Like, hey, it's, 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 they're, they're that type of team, Mike. And I agree with you. Jamison Crowder was an enormous pickup off the bench. People want to talk about, uh, you know, obviously Von Miller. That was the splash move that they made this offseason. But Jamison Crowder replacing Cole Beasley, what he did in that slot. You're from the DMV. You know all about Jamison and what he provides in in between the line and those hash marks. And let Gabe and Stefan do everything outside the hash marks. They're going to be tough, Mike. And then Singletary is no scrub. They've got Zach Moss as well in the backfield. 
uh, Josh Allen is a guy that, you know, he can beat you with that gunslinger arm that he has, but you're not going to want to bring him down. The guy that's legit 250 plowing at you who's 6'5". They, they're a problem, Mike, and they are a problem. And one thing I love about what Sean McDermott said, he said, the way that we play offense with Ken Dorsey, as our offense coordinator, I tell Leslie Fraser, I want you to be exactly like that on defense. They want you, you see how we come aggressive on offense and push the ball downfield vertically. We want to be playing downhill, physical, right? And we want to play aggressive like that on defense. And that's what you're seeing from guys like Jordan Poirier. You're seeing that from Micah Hyde. You're seeing like that from guys all around that defense. And one thing that Buffalo does best and, and one thing they have as an advantage over every team I've noticed in football, Mike, they have legit nine guys on that defensive line that they can rotate. Yeah. They get nine guys, whether it's Ed Oliver, Greg Russo, Jordan Phillips, he showed love to. They've got Von Miller. They even have their some of their linebackers blitz and, and Edmonds and Matt Milano. You're in trouble because if they can play downhill and aggressive as much as they play offense, good luck. Yeah. Yeah, big time, and and and, and it's it's just crazy, Sebi. They 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 didn't the first the, their first punt of the season came in the third quarter of yesterday, and they, they muffed it. They went through the first six and a half <laughs> quarters of football and didn't punt the ball one time. I mean, yeah. this team, especially the, the only not the only question that, that's going to come about with this team, uh, the, the only the only last question I have to for this Buffalo uh, team for me is. There is their running attack. Is their running yeah. attack gonna gonna be strong enough when it comes when when it gets pushed to that point when it, when they don't have, um, you know, the ability to to go down the field or or, or or offensively throwing the ball. They don't have that, you know, that explosive night. Are they gonna be able to run the football as efficiently? And so that's that that is one of my only one, my only questions with them. But but sure, I ain't gonna lie to you, Sebi. When you can throw the ball the way they can, I mean, do you really need to run the ball? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, as dominantly. Exactly. I mean, did they just? They, they just get it done so many so they're so dynamic throughout through the air I mean they, to me that 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 alone even even with a bad running game that alone that explosive air attack sets up at least a, a, a solid semi okay running game yeah absolutely no doubt my only question for them Mike is last year they had losses against Jacksonville and the Jets right so as great as they are as a football team do they downplay a lot of their opponents right that's my only thing for them. Uh, you know, the more that you downplay your team, you you come from an opportunity to be 16 and 1, 15 and 2. Next thing you know, you're 13 and 4 or 12 and 5, right? So that, that's mm-hmm. their, my, my only concern with them. They're just that good on both sides of the ball, even special teams with Isaiah McKinney. That, that they're, they're a complete team. They're the most complete team in football. My only concern is, is do they downplay teams week in and week out on Sundays? But if they don't do that, uh, this, this is going to be a juggernaut all season there as well i want to get your thoughts about philadelphia because obviously uh, i think they're ringing a bell back in philadelphia Uh, jalen hurts did something that michael vick did in 2010 ran for two touchdowns and threw for 333 uh that's only been done since mike vick in 2010 uh when the days of you know brian westbrook katie mccoy and deshaun jackson now mike like we were talking about lamar jackson mike what do the philadelphia eagles do they go out and get Jalen Hurts at number one. They already drafted Devontae Smith, and now you've got Brown and you've got Devontae Smith along with a potent running game that also features that the strength of Jalen Hurts, which he can run. Now Nick Serini's doing well. That defense is starting to play well too, Mike. Big play Slay, Darius Slay. 
He played all those years in Detroit. Last last night, he put a real blanket on Justin Jefferson. We see no gritty last night, Mike. Jefferson had six targets, one catch, two INTs when guarded by Darius Slay. So big plays, Slay stepped up. The Eagles, they're really looking like the team that we picked to win the division in the NFC East. And Jalen Hurts, now he's got those weapons. We are talking about Tua in, in Alabama. Now this kind of seemed like Jalen Hurts in Oklahoma. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it definitely does, and and I'm glad you brought it up earlier because when you get it, when you get somebody at number one, it just cha- it changes the whole dynamic of the offense. And you're looking at it with the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, it was it was it was no joke and no no anomaly which we saw against Detroit. I mean that that offense looked like a juggernaut in week one, and um, I know people may have downplayed the performance because of the competition, but however, this offense and now this offense is going to look legit throughout the season because of the weapons that they have. Uh, when you have a, a, a Brown, when you have a Smith, uh, Devontae Smith did not play, did, did not even play very well in Week One. But yesterday he he showed up and showed out and had had a, had a, had, a, had a phenomenal game. There's going to be games like that where it's give and take between these elite receivers, and there's going to be games where they both go off at the same time. It's it's just the nature of of having that much explosive firepower on one squad. So this Eagles team, along with still having Goddard over the middle at tight end, that that the, the, having those weapons on the outside is one thing, but having those weapons along with the tight end like a Goddard it just make, just makes it e- you even that much more potent. And the fact that hurts his legs. The question all offseason was, okay, what hurts? You have the weapons. What are you going to do? Well, so far through two weeks, he's produced, and he's produced at a high level. And I, I believe you're going to see even more of that with the Eagles because of what you see on both sides of the ball. Get, getting James Bradbury was James, uh, yeah, yeah, get, getting Bradbury from the New York football giants uh, was huge for the Philadelphia Eagles to me because you knew how good Darius Slay was on the other, on one side, but to free up, but to sure up the other side and get someone as competent of a corner as James Bradbury is, now he's going to flourish and have a great season uh, within that system with the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, Their secondary, what they bring to the table, how physical they get. You, you, you see, you see the performance that Slay put up. Watch out for these Philadelphia Eagles, man. They're really, uh, they're really going to be a team to be reckoned with. No doubt, no doubt about that there for sure. There as well. I also thought, Mike, so we had some wild finishes. And we told, let's talk about the team that you picked to win the NFC West in Arizona. That was right there, Mike. I, I think that was a defining season win because you can't start the season 0-2. They go into Las Vegas in overtime. Big plays down the stretch they needed from Kyler Murray to get them in the position just to get to overtime. And then Byron Murphy comes up with a huge play. Isaiah Simmons puts his helmet on that football. Hunter Renfro. Next thing you know, Byron Simmons goes. Uh, Byron Humphrey, excuse me. Murphy goes 50, 60 yards the other way, and then they get an improbable win in Las Vegas, and that might be an ultra season changing game where we thought that the Cardinals were dead in the water, injuries. No lack of receivers, and now they find themselves at, at five one and one. Stevie, I'm always impressed with the game within the game, and so and and putting things into perspective as far as what what you have to overcome, not only on the scoreboard but within the entire atmosphere around you. And the Arizona Cardinals weren't just fighting and just trying to claw back in the, within the game; they were fighting an entire atmosphere. Uh, in Vegas, that was just too electric. You got to understand, it was at, a, at the point in time when the the uh, when the Raiders were up twenty three to seven. The Las Vegas Aces had just won the NWBA championship, and they had just announced it on the board. 
and then the, the entire the, the entire Legion Stadium was going crazy. You had people champagne bottles going up. They're, they're anticipating their first home win of the season. The the, the, the WNBA team just bought them the, the, the city's first champion the championship ever. The, everything is going crazy. And then all of a sudden, and Kyla, Kyla Murray says, nah, there is no Nacarno said, no, no, this, this team, when you're this, when you're this deep and you have someone like a Kyla Murray, who's that resilient of a player, of a leader, it, it just trickles down to everybody. And you, you saw it like this, this team has a lot of dogs on them. They have a lot of fight in them. And you saw it. Down twenty three to seven, they made every play needed at the right moment. I mean, converting both of those two point conversions, getting the touchdowns when you need it on fourth down on the, with four seconds left. I mean, just the 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 four plays before that when it was a fourth and four, and he was scrambling, got out of a sack, and they had a holding penalty in the end zone. It was just every play, every time they needed to make a play, get a defensive stop, and it's fitting that that they win the game on. On a on a touchdown on the with the defense because they were resilient as well within the entire comeback. I mean, the, just this that Arizona Cardinals team. You have to have, get. I give the praise and I, I take my hats off to them because of what they had to overcome. Not only just on the field, but that atmosphere as well. Everything that was just going on in Vegas, that energy was rocking and reckless. And they really, uh, for the moment, they really they they, they really shut it down and really turned. Uh, really really came in there like, like the cops and really shut the party down for a second. Yeah, definitely, definitely there for sure. Uh, let's talk about what happened in New Orleans, right? Mm. Teams that don't like each other. We know the Saints and we know the Buccaneers. They got bad blood, Mike, and it ain't it ain't just charm. This that's real beef. Like like when these two teams play, and you want to talk about a rivalry. I, I think since Tom Brady's been there, I think that's just escalated it. Like it, these two teams hate each other. It's beef, and you know when it's beef, ain't nobody vegan, Mike. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they they come in, they coming after you. We know about this. We know Marshawn Lattimore and Mike Evans have a history. 2017, Mike Evans got kicked out of the game because of his altercation with Marshawn Lattimore. Uh, these two guys are amongst the best at their their positions. Marshawn Lattimore, an elite cover corner, one on one, man to man, physical. But we also know Mike Evans, Mike, very physical himself, an elite red zone threat. Um, also, he could beat you down deep, but more so because of his six foot five time frame, and he's got he uses his size and his strength to his advantage. These two guys um, don't like each other. There's no blood loss between these two, and things got escalated. You know, uh, it was a fr frustrating day for that Tampa offense. We know Brady struggles with them. We got to give credit to Dennis Allen. Um, he's got that personnel that just confuses Tom, and and I don't know what happened, Mike, but. <laughs> I don't know if they pissed off that defense. If they pissed up Tom, I don't know if that's a smart thing to do, Mike. <laughs> you pissing off Tom, but that offense got clicking, and then the defense they they just they they they, they lost it, Mike. You Devon White, you, you started getting after it. You saw some of the new acquisitions that they got. Akeem Hicks from the Bears, huge yeah. addition, Mike. Huge yeah. addition in yeah. the middle to to replace what Indonica Sue used to do with Vita Vea. They, they, those guys started getting after it. Levante David starting to frustrate Jameis Winston in that backfield. These guys, Mike, combined for six sacks. They had three takeaways, all interceptions. They had a pick six. Um, you know, the, the back end played well. Carlton Davis is starting to solidify himself as an elite corner. 
this this defense, Mike, boy, you know what this reminds me of? Kasam, he, he's been he's been decent, but he hasn't been you know psycho time that we've seen him be, especially what he was last year. I think I know where you're going with this. Yeah, yeah, but you know what I'm thinking, Mike. This is what I'm thinking. There's a recipe to the Super Bowl for the Bucks. Hmm. It's basically what Denver did in 2015. <laughs> it, it, it is, Mike. It's 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 it's, it's basically knew, what Denver did in 2015. There. You play excellent defense, Mike. And let's first and foremost, Tom is not as bad as as Peyton was in 2015. Peyton had nine touchdowns, 17 interceptions. He he had his his arm was made out of noodles. He couldn't throw deep at all. Tom is ain't that ain't that bad. But if you get a little good Tom Brady and you get suffocating defense, like we saw it in the Super Bowl in 2020, like suffocating defense, like that, with Tom to be a game manager and if need be, sometimes play hero. That's uh, I think the Bucks are in good position here, but that defense, Mike. Wow, I mean they 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 only gave up, you know, ten points in that in in week one. They only gave up three points in week one, ten points in week two. Boy, oh boy, this is something, man. This this is this is something what we've seen from that defense, Mike. This is definitely something. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. It really is. Um, Mike is starting to look like that guy that had well, almost 20 sacks two years ago. They, they, they're looking really good, Mike. Yeah. Yeah, they're not. No, they definitely are. Heads off to the Bucks, man. They, 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 that linebacker tandem with White and um, uh, what's the other brother's name? David. Um, well, well, White and David, man. That 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 combination of, of, of linebackers is, 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 is probably the best, best tandem in football right now. And they, they, they're leading troops. You had to have those guys playing good ball. Um there is a recipe for that, and there is some similarities to 2015. I, I had a feeling that's that's where you was going because I was I was having those same thoughts while watching the game. And uh, when you have a quarterback like Tom, that not only is not for the most part going to put the ball in harm's way, but is someone who is clutch and can lead uh, and can win close tight games for you. You ha- that that's always a recipe for success. So uh, that that defense keep that intensity up. And, and and offensively, they continue to get some wide receivers back. Continue to um, you know continue to get healthy and get more chemistry with Tom. I definitely see a recipe for it. And they can run the football before net at the MVB and another guy. So yeah, you know there there definitely is a recipe. But, there, but as far as that game against New Orleans, the paradigm shift came after the whole tussle with Mike Evans and Marshawn Lattimore. That was a t- nip, nip and tuck defensive battle, three to three uh, matchup. Matchup was pretty much even on both sides. And uh, it was, really was going to come down to who scores next to win that game. And you saw the entire shift. Uh, the, Brady threw his touchdown at the guy who came in for Lattimore, uh, went, went right at him. Uh, that, was, that was the entire shift in the game to me when, when, when Lattimore went out. Because to me, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers could have afforded losing Mike Evans more than than the Saints could have afforded losing Lattimore in that situation because what Lattimore was doing defensively throughout that game was so impactful. It was one of the main reasons why uh, that game was so nip and tuck because of what he was doing defensively, keeping him in the ball game. So uh, the entire paradigm shift to me was when Lattimore went out and, um, and, and Mike Evans went out as well, and Brady was able to capitalize and take advantage of that. Yeah, no doubt about that. Mike Evans goes out. Chris Godwin is banged up. He can't play. Julio Jones is banged up. He can't play. Can you imagine when all those three guys are on the field? Lord Jesus, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's scary hours for not only the NFC South, but also the N. 
AFC conference as a whole, as a whole. Two teams. We want to go out west here uh, uh, and talk about some things before we wrap up this uh, conversation. Russell Wilson and, and this Denver team, right? They, they haven't looked themselves, Mike. Um, I, 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 week two, you know, only sneaking away from this Texans team. I, I, I don't know. Russ is – should we leave Russell Wilson out of the kitchen? Can't he not cook no more, Mike? The, the theme is they they brought Russell Wilson here because he needed to cook. They want him to cook. All those years, Pete Carroll was reluctant to have him cook on and shift the offense tailored to Russell Wilson. That's what the Denver Broncos paid big bucks for and gave him max contract, a five-year deal for. But I don't know, Mike. It hasn't panned out. So worries about Denver is, is really concerning to me. Um, I want to also get your thoughts about these Lions. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown. This is a guy, Mike, that we need to keep mm, yep. starting to assert himself amongst the league leaders in the NFL and at the wide receiver position. Right now, you know, first in receptions, second in, in yards. I mean, this guy is putting up numbers. Somebody that we really kind of overlooked, I guess, um, you know, coming out of, of college at USC. Mm-hmm. Uh, Amon Ra really doing some stuff for the Lions, and, and I think the Lions are – are one of the more improved teams this year. They're probably not going to make the playoffs or anything like that, but I, I, I do like what they have. Aiden Hutchinson. Yes. Houston, yes. Sacks, Mike. They yes. got some guys, and they also got uh, Jamison Williams, that speedster mm-hmm. from Alabama yep. receiver. He hasn't even played yet. So I'm in on one side, Jamison Williams on the other. So I like the culture that Dan Campbell's is building in, in Detroit. I think th- there's better days ahead from them. Uh, and, and also, we know what happened in uh, in San Francisco with um, Trey Lance going down. Now, Jimmy yeah. is the coach. So, uh, just a few things to to talk about here um, that happened in Week Two. Yeah, Denver, yeah, Denver to me, Denver, Denver is interesting because I, I do want to give it some more time with Russ. I don't see the same assertive Russ that I usually see, uh, especially his last. He's not year running the ball Seattle. anymore, Mike. What's to, up? To, yeah, to to start off the season, he's usually one of the guys that you count on really coming out the gate swinging and really coming out with his best stuff. And that's not what I've seen. Um, and maybe it's just the culture change and just an adjustment as a whole. Being with the Broncos is going to take some time. And I get that. I, I do want to. I do want to see. Russell Wilson more time in Denver. I do like what I've seen from this defense over the first two weeks. So I do believe defensively they will be able to be sharp enough to hold the fort down until he's able to get more sharp with his uh, arsenal, get more sharp with his weapons and things like that. That to, to me is it's more than to me is more than just on the field. I mean. Russell, this is this whole energy is new for him. This is a new season in a whole new city, whole new town. All of that to me plays in, and so I, I do want to give him a little bit more time before I critique him a little too much. But I don't like fully what I've seen from him through the first few weeks, uh, first couple of weeks. But um, I do want to see more time within this offense because there are weapons and plays to be had. Uh, I just think he needs to get more acclimated with the guys. As far as uh, the San Francisco 49ers, uh, Trey Lance's injury was tough. It was tough to see him go down. However, I do believe that with with this roster, with this roster and set, and Jimmy G coming back, already having a uh, being having a, a understanding of the system and understanding of how they get down and how they get busy, I do believe that there's an opportunity for this team uh, to to not only make the playoffs but really get back to where they were last year and really have have a a, a, a shot at getting to the Super Bowl. This San Francisco team is loaded, and and they they have some some moves to be made as well. But as far as the Lions. The Detroit Lions, you're absolutely right. I don't believe they make the playoffs, but I do believe they'll have some teams on upset alert this year um, as far as some of the top teams because 
they have a deep roster. They have a young a young roster, and uh, they are building something special. And Armand St. Brown, he's a big playmaker. I like how they use him in Detroit. They use him in multiple ways, whether it's, you know, in the slot, uh, outside sometimes, um, or and using him on end of rounds, you know, in the backfield and stuff like that. He's he's definitely a big-time playmaker in that offensive system in Detroit. Uh, he's somebody that needs to, you know, be, be – um, you know, on the lookout a lot more. So yeah, I like I like I like what I'm seeing from Detroit as a whole. I'm so glad you brought up Aiden Hutchinson because I was very high on him when he was in college in Michigan. I'm very, very, very polished, disruptive, Mike. Very. very yeah, and very polished defensive lineman. The brother has a, a myriad of moves. Uh, his, his technique is very sound, uh, and and like you said, he's very assertive. I like his game a lot, and I like what he, he's going to bring to that defensive line in Detroit. They're building something. Yeah, no doubt about that. We're going to play a little game here real quick just to wrap up week two. Uh, so just some rapid fire and get your thoughts on it. Bigger storyline or bigger issue? The Browns losing to the Jets by one point or the Raiders starting the season 0-2? The Raiders starting the season 0-2. The Browns losing to the Jets uh, to me wasn't as big of a deal because I understand that they were 14 with two minutes. I understand that. But to me, they let the foot off the gas pedal against a team that was going to play four quarters no matter what because of everything that was going on from the week before. Robert Sala was hearing rufflings about his job in the New York media after week one loss against Baltimore. His name was being brought up next. This team was being dragged through the mud after week one. This team was going to go out and run through a brick wall you know, if they were down 62 nothing. Down, down two minutes for Robert Sala. That's how they were going to fight. So to me, that 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 wasn't. And also the fact that um, you know, just it was an onside kick that they got. You know, a lot of things bounced their way for the New York to happen, and and they got it done. For me, the for Vegas starting off zero two, that that to me is a little bit more of an indictment because, you know, we talked about the you know Devonte Adams coming to the team and the hype around the team and you know Derek Carr and these guys taking that next step. To me, that's that's more of an indictment is uh, them being on two. Definitely, that for sure. The Rams they got blown out in national TV on mm. Thursday night in their opening night, but only winning by four points against the Falcons. Or is it the team that represented the AFC in the Super Bowl, the Cincinnati Bengals, might start the season zero and two? Which storyline is a bigger issue? Hmm. I probably I probably say. The Cincinnati Bengals being 0-2, uh, the way that they've lost their first two games, coming out sluggish early with these slow starts, getting down by double digits, seven, getting down essentially 17, uh, down 17-3 in both games and having to claw your way back. Uh, to me, that's more of a bigger indictment than, than, the, than the L.A. Rams losing the first game to arguably the most stacked team in football and then coming back. And even though they only won by four, they showed how dominant they can be going up 28 to three. And I'll, I'll actually, what my closing argument will be something along the lines of, of, uh, of, of that comeback with the Falcons. So I'm glad you brought that up. But to, to me, the, 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 um, the Bengals being 0 2 is a bigger indictment. No doubt. And lastly, we got to bring this up the team that's in tied for first place in the NFC East, the New York Football Giants starting 2 0, or, or, the Colts getting blanked in Jacksonville. It's 24 to nothing. Jacksonville was one of my surprise teams this year, Mike. I said that they had a great chance to finish second in the AFC South. 
Which <laughs> is the bigger deal? Those big blues starting 2-0 and or the Colts, on the other hand, getting blanked at Jacksonville? Okay, I'm gonna. I know I'm gonna sound biased to a lot of the masses that actually know me and they know that I'm a huge Giants fan. I get it. I understand. But to me, the Giants going two and zero at this point in juncture is 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 a bigger deal than the Colts losing to Jacksonville and getting blanked. And I'm gonna tell you why. The Indianapolis Colts haven't beaten the Jacksonville Jaguars in Jacksonville in about seven eight years. Mm-hmm. It's been some. It's been some time since the Colts have won in Jacksonville. They, they, that that's no matter what. No matter how good you've seen Jacksonville. The uh, Indianapolis over the years, no matter how bad you've seen Jacksonville over the last, you know, uh, uh, few years, they've always found a way to beat Indianapolis at home. And so, to me, that them them losing, uh, and how they lost is not that big of an anomaly because of because of the familiarity that's a divisional rival. The Giants starting off two or two and zero, and looking as disciplined and being and closing out these games in the fourth quarter the way they have to me is more surprising because that's not something you've seen over the last few years from the New York football giants. They've blown a lot of fourth quarter leads, blown a lot of games. They probably should have won these so far, the first two games this year, they've closed out those fourth quarter games. So that's to me is more surprising than the Colts losing another game to Jacksonville. Yep. And Saquon's back, Mike. That's another big thing. There you go. One thing about Dable, he's an offensive mind. He's going to find ways to get the ball into Saquon's hands, whether it's handing it off or putting them in space. That's another big thing I've noticed. Yep. Sure is, man. It's, it's been fun to watch so far. I mean, just we're just winning those post games has been it's been impactful. And you're starting to see even without the star power of players, you put the you have the coaching staff and the right and the right personality and you and the, the the right guys to get put to put these guys in position. You 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 see the outcome, the outcome of what great coaching really can be. And Marty Morningwell is coaching that defense, Mike. Yeah. Starting to make plays on that defense as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know that makes you happy there uh, for sure. But, folks, when we come back, we're going to go ahead and talk about some of the ladies, the Las Vegas Aces, the first team in Las Vegas sports area to win an American championship. We'll talk about that much, much more inside the studio in WNSC. And we are back here inside Studio Z, inside the Subby Podcast Radio Show, live and streaming here on Devon C Radio. The Las Vegas Aces, Mike, winning the WNBA championship by virtue of three games to one over the Connecticut Suns in game four. WNBA Finals MVP, Chelsea Gray. What a playoff series did she have, Mike? I mean, <laughs> she was special. Obviously, you know, Asia Wilson gets the glory. She's the best player on the team, reigning WNBA regular season MVP, defensive player of the year. But Chelsea Gray, what she did to be a running mate with Asia Wilson was nothing short of spectacular that she did. And she got all of that done. That was something to behold. And that was something extremely special that we saw from her as well. Kelsey Plum really stepped up down the stretch in that game four. But we got to talk about the job, of course, <clears throat> that that head coach did in Becky Hammond. I mean, for her to bring over some of that NBA terminology and for her to switch Asia Wilson from playing center to our forward and then sometimes going small with that four-guard lineup, uh, it was something 
that definitely worked through this championship run. And, and for her to just come in her first season and just make ship everything and to see that as a result was something to behold in the Aces. You you couldn't you couldn't ask for a better script for a team that's been knocking on the door for all these years, Mike, and for them to taste victory like that, that has to really mean something. Oh, big time, big time, man. Hats off to the Aces. Everybody over there for getting it done. It was very well deserved. They deserved this run. It was an it was it was it, was, it wasn't only a special in WNBA finals. As far from from a competitive standpoint, it was a, it was a an amazing playoff run uh, from from all the ladies. I mean, this was a very competitive WNBA playoffs, and um, we went down to the wire. Game fives, you know, crucial moments, crucial fourth quarters, crucial buckets that were needed to be made, and it was it was just special top to bottom. But but the aces in in general, like you said. Chelsea Gray, she was phenomenal. She put on a show night in, night out, hit timely buckets from the outside. And, and her running mate, Asia Wilson, who was the MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, dominant force. She played some of the best basketball I've seen from her in her entire career in these playoffs. Um, efficient ball, even even when they, they, the games when she wasn't shooting efficient. Her impact on both sides is just too brutal. She has too much of a paint presence. Uh, defensively, she's too stout. Uh, getting rebounds, she's too dominant on the boards when need be. In that game four against Connecticut, she was a beast on the boards when, she wasn't, shooting, when she wasn't shooting well. I mean, just it was special. Her her battle and John Quell Jones taking on that challenge, it was just special. Man, that Vegas team was just so stacked. Seeing Kelsey Plum uh, take that next step in her game and really, really uh, evolve and really you know overcome the, the shooting woes that she had and just continue to keep stay the course. And keep going. This team was so stacked. Raquana Williams coming coming up in the fourth quarter, hitting big buckets. I mean, Absolutely. everywhere you look, Connecticut had Connecticut had the system and the physicality to to compete with Vegas. Vegas just was too stacked and too loaded from all from all around, all different levels to be. And and, and one thing I love about Connecticut in this WNBA final, Sebi, is that Connecticut was able to, for the most part of the series. Play uh, uh uh play the aces at their style of play low low scoring uh half courts uh they got a, they held one of the greatest off probably the greatest offense in WNBA history um to under eighty points I believe three times in the series or you know just just at very low shooting shooting percentages uh throughout throughout that series man it, and and hats off to them for getting physical and their physicality. Uh, but it, Vegas, they, they just showed that they they were just too deep, too stacked, too many weapons, uh, and and it showed like you know what I'm saying. Raquana Raquana Williams coming in the fourth quarter and hitting those timely threes, those timely buckets in Game Four. You know, after struggling most of the series, it was just it's just special to watch teams like that, man. Just go at it back and forth. They really could have went either way. Yeah, definitely, definitely there for sure. These girls and these ladies did they thing. And they did they thing really, really well. And that was that was something, something that was huge, huge from these ladies. And that was something really special. Kudos to the Las Vegas Aces. And we gotta give some love, man, to see these girls. They've been working their tail off um these last couple weeks. Um there for sure. And the this best- is the time, Mike, of course, that we come. It is your moment. This is when you speak your points and speak your views. This, for your closing arguments, Mike, my man, take it away. Before before I get my closing argument, I want to say one more thing about the Aces real quick, Sebi. The, the, the Aces, the, 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 to me, one of the biggest keys about them moving forward, mm-hmm. you might be looking at a very dynastic 
group of ladies because dynastic majority, I was gonna say that yeah majority majority of their core is under contract mm-hmm. and that's the biggest thing with the aces that they've been knocking on the door so long for the all these years and they finally cracked the code now you have a situation where they're about to go in with house money and you're about to see a, a, a new level a, a new level open uh, unlocked and I, I I think the the WNBA needs to needs to be on the lookout for the Las Vegas aces potentially being that new team. Uh, to reckon with, but yeah. but as far as my closing argument is concerned, I want to go back to the NFL and I want to talk about the inflation of 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 comebacks that you see in the in the league, whether they whether they complete the comeback and uh, you know come back from a twenty point, sometimes maybe thirty point deficit, uh, whether they complete the comeback or or just make it a game. The inflation of comebacks to me, I have a theory on it, and I wanted to bring my theory for the closing argument. My theory for a majority of these closing, these are uh, these, these comebacks that you see, um, especially over the last few years, has to do with the lack of not only pace that these teams make. You might have a situation where a team might come in scorching, and they come out and they give their best and best effort over the first uh, two two and a half two and a half quarters or something like that. And they go up by 25 points and the things like in the case may be. But at the end of the day, they all of a sudden, all of a sudden you might run out of gas. You might start to get a little tired. You're playing pre-event defense and all of a sudden you give the offense some momentum and some rhythm. And now they've caught fire. Now they get a couple plays on defensive side that we have a ball game because that offense is already in rhythm. You've seen an inflation of comebacks in the league over the years, whether it's been, you know, completed or not. Because you have more, you have you have more of a, a situation of, t- of of the of the top teams not pacing themselves. When whenever a team is up like that, you have to be able to pace yourself. You have to be able to move the ball and move the clock. Because we live in a passing era now, a lot of teams want to pass their way to a win, even when they're up. And that's the and that's one of the biggest problems. The teams that are usually able to hold these leads and hold and and, and sustain them. Even if a team is making a little mini comeback, are the teams that are able to run the football? Are the teams that are able to be more balanced uh, from their attack? But um, the majority of the teams nowadays like to continue to pass, even when they're up they like by to twenty. Air out. And like the air out, even when they're up by twenty, even when the game is already in wraps, and you just have to get the clock down. They still like to pass it out, and because of that, you have an inflation of comebacks that we had. For example, I, I'm glad you brought it because that game against the Falcons and the Rams. They were down twenty-eight to three, uh, going into the uh, uh, you know midway through the third quarter. That game ends up being twenty-seven to thirty, thirty-one to twenty-seven. You know, on comebacks because of a few breaks. Yes, on the defensive side, special teams and things like that. But it was also because the uh, the Rams' inability to not only run the ball, but their inability to capitalize on the passing plays that they needed to, and the defense ran out of gas at some point. I mean, you know, that's just that's what it is. The lack of pace. They also came out and they were so motivated to get that taste out of their mouth from last week that they gave a lot of their energy in the first half and they didn't have, they, they didn't pace themselves enough in the second half. So to me, my theory uh, for a lot of these comebacks is a combination of teams not being able to pace themselves and being, and not being balanced enough in their offensive attack to know when, when they need to air it out and know when they need to run the ball. Yeah, definitely, definitely there for sure. No doubt about that. We're going to see it because there's a lot of high-octane offenses. Got to be able to be balanced because come January, got to be able to run the football. When you're in, 
when you go on, when you gotta go on the road into tough environments and it's snowing, it's cold. You can't be throwing the ball everywhere. You got to be able to know how to run that football, and that's definitely something that these these things got to do. No doubt about there. Yeah, for sure, folks. That wraps up our episode today of season of season five of our great show. Myself and Michael Gray. We want to say so long for you guys till next time, and we'll see you guys again next week. Peace. Hey, everyone, we're excited just as much as you guys tonight if you enjoyed this show and frankly, even some of our other episodes as well. If you want to show your appreciation for the show, ensure that you leave us a rating and a review in our iTunes and Spotify. And remember, you can stay locked in here and connected. Sebupodcast.info link for the latest news, articles, interviews, and much more. And remember, wherever you're listening on air or online, the Sebi Podcast is wherever you go. Opulent Inventory, our proud partners here on the show. From iPhones to MacBooks to Apple TV to Apple Watches to trade-ins and much more, now you can have the Apple product of your dreams. Visit Opulent Inventory on opulentinventory.com and on Instagram. My guy Nash and Gardy are the very best in the game to provide you the Apple product of your dreams. Now... Let's get back to the show.